Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Friday, February the 3rd, 2023. It is currently 7.27 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. And it will not be long before this studio is interrupted, or or, or how can I say this? It will not be long before this studio will not be a quiet place so that I can live broadcast, but people will be walking through the front door, at least downstairs, and I will have to end this broadcast. So this is one of those situations where I probably should have waited but I couldn't wait. I'm like, look, I, I know I'm in the studio. I know it's quiet right now. There's not a there's not a sound in the house. There's not a mouse stirring. Everything is perfect for live broadcasting. But I know at any moment, car's going to pull up in the driveway. The door's going to open and loudness will occur. But before that happens... I, I have to do this. I, I have to. We we have to talk. We have to discuss it, right? Here's what's going on. I'm sitting here in the studio, and in front of me is a book. I mean, there's lots of books in front of me, if I'm being honest with you, but this one book has my attention, and it's called The Apostolic Fathers, A New Translation by Rick Brannan, B-R-A-N-N-A-N. The Apostolic Fathers, A New Translation, Rick Brannan, B-R-A-N-N-A-N. Now, we are going to be doing some things with this book throughout 2023. Uh, We've got a Discord channel set up dedicated to this book. We're going to be reading it. We're going to be discussing it. Um, There'll probably be podcast episodes um, that are based off this book. There'll be some today's focus episodes where maybe I'm reading a paragraph from the book. There'll be some discussion. I don't know. I'm not going to, at this point, I don't have any vision to dedicate a full like walk through the entire book with everyone, but there will be much discussion about it. So I was just up here looking at the book, going through it, and I noticed that, okay, there's the introduction, all right, I'm not going to say anything about the introduction, all right, there's the bibliography, and then the, the it begins on page 11, the first letter of Clement, of Clement to the Corinthians, the first letter of, of Clement, if I can say his name right, of uh, Clement to the Corinthians, the first letter of Clement to the Corinthians. The, I'll say it again. The first letter of Clement of Clement to the Corinthians. Now, the reason I, I when I immediately noticed this, I was like, oh, what a way to start. The first letter of Clement to the Corinthians. Because I have read it multiple times. I have done some teaching on it. But all of a sudden, it got me thinking. There are two paragraphs that I think are absolutely fascinating. So if you don't know, the first letter of Clement to the Corinthians was written, again, I know there's probably some debate about the dates, but depending on what you look at, somewhere before 70 AD, I think most agree that it was written before 70 AD. So this is an early, 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 early writing in church history, right? That's why this is referred to as the apostolic fathers, right? I think that makes sense, right? I think I think you can understand. So the Apostolic Fathers, the first letter of Clement to the Corinthians, it's to the Corinthians, 
Well, we know Paul writes First and Second Corinthians, letters to the church at Corinth. So it's already, there's just so much here that is fascinating. But here is what I want you to think about, all right? I'm going to try to see if we can get these two paragraphs in before I get interrupted and this studio no longer becomes suitable for a live broadcast. All right, here we go. I want you to think about this. Within Christianity, there is very, very, very much a mindset that has infiltrated much of the evangelical world. That if you look at someone and you're like, man, your life is all messed up and you're in this sin and 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 this sin, our our go-to response is, obviously you were never saved. That is just, that's what the evangelical mind goes to. There's no way. You can't be saved and live this way or this way, which almost, again, seems to imply that salvation is not based off an imputed righteousness, but an infused righteousness. It's the go-to answer. But let me just ask you, would you, what would you say to the people that are described in this paragraph? This is from the first letter of Clement to the Corinthians. All right, here we go. All glory and growth were given to you. Now, this is Clement writing to the people at Corinth, right? Listen. All glory and growth were given to you. That which was written was fulfilled. My beloved ate and drank and became large and grew fat and kicked. From this came jealousy, envy, strife, rebellion, persecution, insurrection, war, and captivity. So the dishonorable were stirred up against the honorable, the disreputable against the reputable, the foolish against the wise, the young against the old. Because of this, righteousness and peace are far removed from you. Each of you has left behind the fear of God and become dim-sighted in faith in him and neither walks in the lawful ways of his commandments nor lives life according to what is fitting in Christ. Instead of you... Instead, each of you walk according to the desires of his wicked heart, having taken up unjust and ungodly jealousy through which also death is entered into the world. That is how Clement describes those at the church of Corinth. I want you to hear that again, okay? Listen. Uh, from this, okay, you became large. Okay, you, 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 my beloved, my beloved, obviously referring to like believers, my beloved, you ate and drank and became large and grew fat and kicked. From this came, now he's making a reference there to a, a, a scripture, but he's using it to describe the church at Corinth. My beloved ate and drank and became large and grew fat and kicked. From this came jealousy, envy, strife, rebellion, persecution, insurrection, war, captivity. So the dishonorable were stirred up against the honorable, the disreputable against the reputable, the foolish against the wise, the young against the old. Because of this, righteousness and peace are far removed from you. Each of you has left behind the fear of God, have become dim-sighted in faith in him, and neither walks in the lawful ways of his commandments, nor lives lives according to, to what is fitting in Christ. Instead, each of you walks according to the desires of his wicked heart, having taken up unjust and ungodly jealousy, through which also death entered into the world. I mean, that is how he is describing them unrighteous, ungodly, don't fear God, not walking after the commandments, following the desires of your wicked heart. I mean, he is clearly describing these people as wicked and ungodly. 
And you say, well, clearly they're not saved. But look at how he described these people and the, and the paragraph that comes before it. And you were all humble-minded and no way being boastful, being submissive rather than forcing submission, giving more gladly than receiving, being satisfied with the provisions of Christ and paying attention to his words, you have carefully stored away in your innermost being and his suffering were before your eyes. Thus a deep and luxurious peace, luxurious peace was given to all and an insatiable desire for good deeds and a full outpouring of the Holy Spirit was upon all of you and filled with holy plans and great eagerness with pious confidence, you stretched out your hands to the almighty God, imploring him to be merciful if you inadvertently commit any sin. It was your struggle both day and night on behalf of the whole fellowship of believers to save the total number of his elect with mercy uh, uh, you were sincere and innocent and bore no malice for one another. All rebellion and all division were detestable to you. You mourned about the sin of your neighbor. You considered his shortcomings to be your own. You were without regret in every good deed, ready for every good work. Having been abandoned, uh, having been adorned with the most excellent and honorable citizenship, you accomplished all things in the fear of him. The commandments and the regulations of the Lord were written on the ta tablets of your heart. The very people that he's going to describe in the next paragraph as being basically completely abandoned everything related to God. He just described them in the, in the paragraph before. And the paragraph before is not describing someone just making a profession of faith. That's language describing a believer. Now, either you have to believe that people in Corinth lost their salvation, which then destroys that we're saved by an imputed righteousness and we're saved by our works, or you have to believe that people who are saved, people who lived such godly, holy lives, can live such unholy, ungodly, impure lives. Now, our, our way of handling that is unsaved, 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 unsaved. Because we, in our minds, want salvation to be this idea of you get saved and now you're perfect. But the reality is you get saved and you're still imperfect and you still have a sinful heart. Now, he describes them as being great and wonderful and godly, but obviously it didn't last. And I think, honestly, if you're, if you're, if you're honest with yourself, it never lasts because our sinful nature never goes away. I think when you first become converted, you may get excited. You may have passion. You may fight it. But over time, that sinful nature will rear its ugly head and it shows up. And in many cases, now, there's no excuse for it. And we have to fight against it. But I just think that those two paragraphs, the contrast between those two is absolutely, it's, it's almost breathtaking. The language used to describe how godly they were and how ungodly they became. And it was, and it's not like, you're lost. It's like, no, no, no. Look at how, how, how saved they were. But even though they were supposedly that saved, look at how godly they, how ungodly they ended up. And when Paul writes to the church of Corinth, same thing, carnal. He refers to them as carnal. He refers to them as fleshly, but he yet still refers to them as babes in Christ. 
How is that possible? How can we go from at times what appears to be great spiritual victory to literally it looks like spiritual forget defeat is like just complete spiritual abandonment to all that is ungodly. How can that be true of us? Because we have a sinful nature and our salvation is not based on what we do or don't do. It is based on what Christ did for us in the imputed righteousness. But if you can get a copy of the Apostolic Fathers, a new translation by Rick Brannon, look at those two paragraphs. The, the, the headings for these two paragraphs, one is the spirit poured on Corinth, and the other one is the degradation of Corinth. And this is from the first letter of Clement to the Corinthians. Even if you can't find this translation, you can find the first letter of Clement to the, uh, to the Corinthians in, all over the place. It's free online. It's all over the place. But look up those two paragraphs. I mean, they, they, they sound so godly. You accomplish all things in the fear of him. The commandments and the regulations of the Lord are written on your hearts. And then immediately he says, all glory and growth were given to you. And that which was written was fulfilled. My beloved ate and drank and became large, grew fat and kicked. And from this came jealousy. And then look what begins to happen. Envy, strife, rebellion, persecution, insurrection, war, captivity. The dishonorable was stirred up against the honorable. The disreputable against the reputable, the foolish against the wise, the young against the old. Because of this, righteousness and peace are far removed from, from you. Each of you has left behind the fear of God and become dim-sided in faith in him and neither walks in the lawful ways of the commandments nor lives lives according to the to what is fitting in Christ. Instead, uh, each of you walks according to the desires of his wicked heart, having taken up unjust and ungodly jealousy through which also death has entered into the world. And I am by no means trying to speak of Clement's theology. I'm just saying you read those two paragraphs together. If I read that first paragraph and say, is that a saved person? You would be like, absolutely, it's a saved person. But if I read the second paragraph and go, is this a saved person? You would be like, absolutely not a saved person. Meaning that a saved person <laughs> can very much live like an unsaved person. Like the first paragraph, you'd be like saved. Second paragraph, you'd be like unsaved. There's the same people. The saved can live like the unsaved. Because salvation is not based on how we live. It's based on what Christ did. It imputed righteousness. I, I think just, those paragraphs are just amazing to me. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that. And, and to me, it sounds just like Corinthians, doesn't Doesn't that sound like Paul's letter to the, the Corinthian church, to the church at Corinth? Read, read what he says about them maybe in the beginning of chapter one and then jump over to chapter three. So for every good thing ever said about them, whatever good, whenever that good was there, however long that good was supposedly present, we know that the, the majority of first Corinthians is about all the bad things they're doing. And immediately here in the, in the first letter of uh, the, the first, uh, the first letter of Clement to the Corinthians it's the same concept. Look how good you are. Now look, boom, look how bad you are. So whatever good shows up in the life of a believer, you can ask, why, why does it seem so temporary? And why does sin seem to dominate our life over and over? Because one, the sinful nature never goes away. And our salvation is not, salvation is not there to make us 
holy and necessarily in a practical way. It's there to declare us holy in a positional way because of an imputed righteousness. Nobody likes that. They're like, no, 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 no. We will be holy. Well, we, we. Well, first of all, you can't say we will be holy because holy is perfection and we're never going to be holy in perfection and practice. We're only going to be holy in our position because of an imputed righteousness. We are, we are to strive for it. We're to fight and crawl. We're to, we're to, we're to, we're to do everything we can. And I completely agree with that and, and acknowledge that and, and, and respect that desire. But I think we're going to find ourselves the things we want to do, we don't do. And the things we don't want to do, we do. Right back to Romans 7. I know this is kind of an impromptu broadcast. I understand. I know, I know, I don't have a lot of time at any moment. Again, the front door is going to open. Everybody's going to say, hey, and it's going to be all, and it's going to be ruined. So I, I, I have to do this quickly, but I will, I promise you, I'm going to be back tonight. I don't know what we're going to discuss tonight. Maybe we'll discuss this some more, but I wanted to just hand this to you on this Friday evening. I don't even know if anyone's listening on this Friday evening. I know it's, you know, people are out doing other things, spending time with their family. But if you have the chance, look up the first letter of Clement to the Corinthians, Find the paragraph where he talks about how wonderful they are. And then the very next paragraph, how bad they are. And I I say it all the time. The church, the evangelical church just seems incapable of dealing with the reality that we're all sinners and sin will always be a dominant force in the life of believers. And people say, no, that's not true. I'm sorry. It's just true. It may not be some blatant external sin, but that sin is inside you and me. It's there. We're sinning all the time in some way, shape, or form. All right. I feel like I should just keep reading. And I apologize if I read that very quickly. And I'm sorry that I had a hard time saying Clement. I said a clip. I don't know what I was saying. The first letter of Clement to the Corinthians. Clement, I don't know what I was trying to do, but there you go. I was trying to read quickly. Now, now, now I'm going to feel bad that I have to end this broadcast, but I do. I do have to end this broadcast because people are about to show up any second. I'm looking. All right. I was looking to see if I had any messages, but yes, it will be happening shortly. So before people show up, I'm going to run back downstairs and act like, Hey guys, I've been sitting here waiting. <laughs> okay. I, no, I was just happened to be live on the air talking about some church history. Well, please find it tonight. The first letter of Clement to the Corinthians, find it. Um, find the book, The Apostolic Fathers, a new translation by Rick Brannan, B-R-A-N-N-A-N. You can get it on Amazon. Um, if you're in our Discord channel, there's a channel now created for the book. I took a picture of the book. It's right there. We're going to try to probably develop a reading schedule and then we will, uh, we're going to just start reading it and maybe, maybe we'll have discussions about it in the discord channel, maybe live on the air. I don't know, but it'll get people into the early church uh, fathers. And remember, don't forget, we're still working on Tertullian in our series of baptism in the early church. We're working through Tertullian on baptism. And then we're going to be working at uh, looking at the apostolic tradition by Hippolytus. So a lot of church history happening here on this broadcast right now. And then maybe later tonight, we can work on Hebrews 11, Bible study exercise. And I I tried to work on Hebrews 2 today, Hebrews 2, 1. 
I haven't heard much from it. But you know what? I, I've also learned when you're doing Bible teaching, you don't get near the emails or the downloads. And versus like if I was to do a, a, a podcast episode on Andy Stanley right now, I'd get 500, who knows, who knows how much downloads I would get. But you do something like, hey, well, let's work. Let's talk about Hebrews chapter two. And it, it doesn't generate the, uh, the engagement. It's, it's kind of sad that it works that way, but. I've been through that too many times in my Christian life, but it has. All right, so, all right, I'm going to go wait for everyone to walk in, get some food, give it a couple of hours, come back up here. We're going to do some late night broadcasting. Sounds good. I don't, maybe we will, maybe we will not. I, we'll see. We'll see. I don't want to make any promises, but we know tomorrow we'll be doing a lot of live broadcasting tomorrow. Hopefully we can get a lot of live broadcasting in. Hopefully, hopefully. We'll see. All right, first letter of Clement to the Corinthians. Find it, find the book, the Apostolic Fathers, and just, what do you think about those two paragraphs? You're, ama- you're amazing, you're obedient, you're great. You guys don't even care about God, you don't fear God, you're not obeying anything, and, and everything you do, you're following the desires of your wicked heart, said to the same group of people. All right. Thanks for listening. You have a great night. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Love to get your thoughts. Thanks for listening to this impromptu broadcast. God bless.